Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Adrienne is my better half, so I will accept that introduction. Uh, Takeover kids, you can be dismissed as well. Um, and uh, so sorry if I, I got lost during... Um, I got lost during the, the praise and all the stuff, and I didn't know if I heard it, but I did want to say, uh, happy birthday to my man Cam in the back. 14 going on 34. Slow down, young man. Slow down, okay? Youth is awesome, and uh, appreciate it, because there's things that God can teach you in your young years that he will have a real hard time getting through your head when you're older. So learn it now. Steward it now, and be an awesome son. Sound good, boy? My man Cam. Give it up for Cam turning 14. Come on. 14. Wow. Praying for, uh, praying for Kenny and Amber and uh, all the... No, just kidding, Cam. Kidding. Also, Brooke and Reese got married yesterday. Adrian and I had the privilege of performing that wedding uh, in summertime in a turtleneck. So, you know, what do you... You know? Just why? I don't know. Uh, but it was awesome. So we love them, and they are up in Traverse City golfing and spending time together. So make sure to ask them about all their fun shenanigans next week when they're back. But hey, who is glad to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, are you happy that you made it here today? Come on, did you come ready to receive today? Do you like who you're sitting next to today? You better, because it's too late. You're stuck. You made your bed. Now you're going to sleep in it. If I catch you sleeping, I will throw a microphone at you. Trust me. Say I won't. Anyways, uh, stupid. But hey, it's going to be an incredible morning. It already has. And I'm so grateful that you chose to find yourselves here in the house of God this morning. There is no place that I would personally rather be than right here in the presence of Lord Jesus with my wife and my family, a.k.a. you. I love you, I'm for you, and this is going to be a great rest of the morning. Amen? Who is ready for the Word of God? Oh, man. Well, before we get there, we are going to hit the Jesus People Prayer. And the reason we do this is because we are in a season right now called the Jesus People. It's more than a series. It is a season. We have set apart. It's going for a long time because man going kind of married to what Zach said and a few other times throughout service and if you're new with us you'll have to go back the last seven weeks and listen to messages to get on the same page but man the world is in desperate need of the Jesus people amen and I can tell you this God has a desperate desire to see the Jesus people alive and active in the earth again and I believe I do you can call me dumb you can call me young you can call me whatever, but you will never tell me that I'm not fully persuaded and completely convinced that God is not interested in revival because he is. And small little baby church plant, Takeover Church, is going to be a part of it. My heart, this house's heart, is revival or bust. If we do not see new wine break forth in this generation in our lifetime, they'll be labored in vain. So that's what this is for. To minister to God, to bless his heart, equip the saints, change the world. Amen. All right. Y'all want to see Jesus take over people's lives? Me too. 
then let's start with the Jesus people prayer. So repeat after me. We'll get out one heart, one soul, one accord. We'll be playing the same song today. And uh, just say it with your chest. Sound good? All right. Father God. Oh, you got a bigger chest than that. Father God. Build your church. That the gates of hell would not prevail against her. Give us your heart. Give us your words. Give us your power. Create in us a zeal for your house and a longing for your presence. Fill, purify, and mark us. Make us like Jesus. Like who? Like Jesus. Come on. Set us apart. Make us a holy nation. Make your presence known here. Point to your chest. Say, known here. Known here. Establish signs and wonders among your people. Pour out. Pour out. Pour out. Your spirit upon us. We will be your people and you will be our God we declare we declare we declare your kingdom come your will be done in our city as it is in heaven in heaven in heaven let hell know in heaven let revival come and the church said Amen. Give it up for Jesus one time. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give it up for Jesus. You know, the early, the early church, the mothers and fathers of the early church, man, they, they practiced that. That's where our creeds came from. That's where theology came from. That's where hymns came from. That's where preaching and teaching came from. It was creeds and prayers written down to make sure we were of sound mind, the mind of Christ that we had the Holy Spirit, that we were united in spirit and truth. Amen. Let's get into the Word of God. Amen. Y'all taking notes? Title of my message is, if you're not taking notes, in front of you, there's a sweet little prayer journal there that you can write notes in front of because we were blessed with these amazing new chairs not too long ago. And uh, sweet prayer journals as well. So we put them back there for your convenience. So please take advantage of that. We have a million of them. And... uh, the well will never run dry, so take them, use them, be blessed by them. The title of my message is, you ready? An altar of worship. An altar of worship. An altar of worship. And we're going to be coming out of the book of Acts. I don't know why I'm emotional. Because um, if you spent any significant time with me, you would know that Matt hates emotions. So uh, this is fun, and the Lord is playing tricks on me because he loves me so. All right, an altar of worship coming out of the book of Acts 16, uh, chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. If you got your Bible, find it there. I'm coming out of the ESV. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the Sky Bible behind us. And can you guys give it up for Phil and Kelsey holding it down in the booth? Kelsey actually found a magical little uh, remote control in the app store that uh, allows her to control from everywhere. So you know what? God bless technology, um, and may he kill Twitter. Amen? Okay. 
We're going to say that every week until Twitter dies. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Acts 16, 16 through 34. Here we go. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Come on. As we were going, this is the Apostle Paul talking. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spear of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, in her. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out that girl. That's the, that's the MLT, the Matt uh, Lax translation. Come out that girl. And it came out that very hour. Someone say that very hour. That very hour. That's important. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept and or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them, gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them, isn't that funny? We just beat you to half to death. Keep them safe. Keep them safe. When the, jailer, when the jailer, having received this order, he put them into the innermost prison, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had all escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not kill yourself. How many know that's good advice? For we all are still here. And the jailer called for the lights and he rushed in, trembling with fear, and he fell down before Paul and Silas as they worshiped, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. How many know Jesus is contagious? The Christ is more contagious than COVID. Something the church has forgotten but needs to be reminded of. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And they baptized them at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into the house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. We're gonna pray and we're gonna bust that open. Sound good? Father God, I just thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for the honor and privilege it is to serve you, to be found in the house of God, to, to have a gift and call on our lives that are irrevocable, God, that every single person in here, Father, was born to be a worshiper that was made to bring you glory. And God, I just ask today for a greater convincing, a greater conviction to be fully persuaded, God, of the calling on our lives. 
God, that we were made with intention, that we were made with purpose, that we were designed to be here for such a time as this, that the world is not too overwhelming for the believers in this hour. The believers should be more overwhelming to the world in this hour. And so, Father God, I pray today, I intercede on behalf of our church, make us into those believers that overwhelm the world with the light and love and truth of Christ. So, Father, come, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. If there's any spirit of contention in this room, you die now in the mighty name of Jesus. If there's a spirit of suicide in this room, you die in the mighty name of Jesus. If there is a whisper of divorce in this room, you die right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, Father God, this space is only welcoming for one spirit. We will be hostile towards every other spirit besides your Holy Spirit. So come, Lord. We reject anything else but you. And we submit ourselves to you right now. And we say, come have your way in us, Lord. Come make revival known here. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled, gospel-filled, Holy Spirit-filled, ready to get after it, church said. Amen. Also, if we could turn the lights on, uh, that would be awesome. Because I want to see your beautiful faces. Because I love you, and you're pretty, and the Lord made you that way. Isn't that great? Come on. Anyways, so... An altar of worship. An altar of worship. Now, admittedly, uh, I try to aim, uh, I, I aim to preach on this p portion of Scripture at least once a year. Why, you may ask? Because it's my favorite portion of Scripture almost in the entire Bible besides, you know, Jesus getting crucified and the redemption that comes with that and going down to, you know, Sheol, kicking the devil to the teeth, taking the keys back to eternity. That whole part, aside from that, this is like my favorite portion of Scripture. Also, I really love the walls of Jericho. And basically, anytime God just shows up and just makes his presence known. Amen. So you probably find yourself thinking, Pastor Matt, you just love the entire Bible. You're right. I do. You're right. I do. It's so good. Even Leviticus. It's fantastic. Um, would anybody be interested in a 16-month course on Leviticus every Sunday? No. Uh, hey, the Lord wills it, man. I'm down. Leviticus is cool. Anyways, an altar of worship. Admittedly, this is one of my favorite portions of scripture. It really is. And uh, when the Lord brought it up, he's been, he's been angling. Like I, he and I, we sit down and we plan out uh, the messages and where it's going to go. And, 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 and uh, I try to be as sensitive. I don't have like a weekly thing blotted out and charted out. But what I do have is like a thread from heaven that he lets me kind of know the week before, hey, this is where I'm going next. And my heart kind of starts gearing up for that. And so that is kind of how, if you see how we've done things so far in the Jesus People series. I mean, Pastor Scott preached a great message. Uh, Pastor Adrian last week. How about that? Come on. Crushed it last week. Like Christ, not Christ-like. If you haven't heard it, let that switch it up for you. It's real good. Um, but as far as me and the Lord go in the main thread and through line of the series, he's really just sewing something together. Um, and worship is, is the next part of that because, friends, I have been deeply moved and I have been deeply grieved, I would say. I've been deeply concerned, if I'm being honest, at the state of worship in the church. The state of worship in the church and ultimately the state of worship within our church. The state of worship within us as a people. You see, if there's one thing right now that, man, I believe the Jesus people need to get back to, need 
to fall in love with need to get a deeper revelation of in this hour. It has got to be worship. You see, the problem is though, the problem is what we've done is we've gotten really good at teaching you how to get rich. And we've got really terrible, in fact, we have flat out botched it at teaching you how to be worshipers. The church for the last 30 years, in the last 30 years, we've got really good leadership messages. We got really great marriage series. We got really great five steps to how to and all the self-help books you and Joel Osteen can break your heart open over. And I love Brother Osteen. That's not a shot. That's just commonplace understanding. But what we've gotten really terrible at, what we've completely missed, is living on the altar of worship. Living on the altar of worship. You see, we've, <laughs> we have, we have spent so much time talking about how great we are and how great the plans of God are for your life and my life and the lives of those still far off from God. If they only knew God's great plans for their life, they would love Jesus. Not a bad message. Not a bad message. But it's not the message. It's not the good news. It's not the main point. It's a subplot, but we miss the plot when we begin to preach that. And I don't want to be a church that misses the plot because here's the deal. If the people far off, if, 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 if what enticed them to Jesus is only what Jesus can do for them, I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. How many of you know it is not enough to simply receive from God? We have got to be for God. It's not simply enough to receive from God. We have got to be a people intent and completely fixated on being of God. Because here's the deal. Being of God will always ultimately lead to receiving from God. But receiving from God doesn't always lead to being of God. I can take my blessing and I can live my own life. I can take blessings from the church. I can take the best one-liners. I can take that five-step message. I can turn that around, get a sweet Fortune 500 CEO company, be on the cover of Time Magazine. I could be having meals with the president and I could be on top of the world. And while I'm on top of the world, the worship of God is not found with me. See, we've taught people really, really great life advice, but we have made very terrible worshipers. In fact, I would say potentially, 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 we've got really great, the Jesus people, we have, we got really great at coming to church to consume and leave church not being consumed. We've gotten really good at coming to church to be consumed or to consume from God, but we've gotten really terrible and come to the church to be consumed by God. You see, when we post on Instagram and we say, hey, I believe God's got a word for you this Sunday. Come ready to receive. Have you seen that on Instagram, on Facebook? You seen that phrase? That statement is predicated upon the belief that God has already received you. You first have to be received by God before you are gonna receive from God. Jesus Christ makes a way 
for you to be received by God. And then Jesus Christ also makes a way for you to receive the Holy Spirit from God. That's how this works. He gets you first, then you get him. He accepts you first, and then you accept him. He welcomes you in. He makes a way and a path for you, and you bend that knee, and he says, come on in. And from that come on in, the fun gets to begin. Amen? But the problem is we have spent 30 years making church about you and me instead of about the King of kings and Lord of lords. We've made really great altars to ourselves and really poor altars for him. Really great altars to ourselves and really shallow altars for him. We've made really great suits and ties and glamour and glam for ourselves. But where does the Lord get to reside? What do we dress him up in? What have we prepared for him? What have we prepared for him? In fact, I would say potentially the biggest sin of the church in the last 30 years, if I could, (laughs) is that we have told God we will worship you on our terms. Friends, it's not worship to God when it's on our terms. It's worship to ourselves when it's on God's terms or when it's on our terms. It is not worshiping God when we tell him, we will worship you when the decibel level is how I like it. I will worship you when my favorite song is on. I will worship you on Sundays alone. I will worship you, but only when I feel the Holy Spirit goosebumps in my body. And the demons shudder. No, no, no. God sets the terms for our worship. God sets the terms for our worship. Be reminded today, church, God sets the terms for our worship. When we worship God on his terms, how many of you know that's where the power of God lies? But when we worship God in our terms, only your power is to be found. And I feel like so many of us, we're putting in prayer requests, we're doing this thing, I feel powerless. I just feel like my life is just overwhelming. I live this powerless life. I just get tossed to and fro by the waves. Lord, help me. And I wonder, is the reason you're living powerless lives because you've allowed yourself to crawl off the powerful altar of worship? Oh man, I just need, I just need one of those life-giving words at church. I just, I just need, I'm overridden by fear and anxiety, and I just need an anxiety-reducing message. I've got an anxiety-reducing message for you today. You want to hear it? When anxiety comes, when it rises up in you, when fear comes, when you begin to feel overwhelmed in life, look down and check and make sure you're still on the altar of worship. Look down. And check to see if you're still on the altar of worship because here's one of the symptoms of making church about you and me and not about the king of kings. One of the symptoms is that suddenly we begin to worship on our terms, not on his terms. And therefore, we meet the terms of that contract and the terms of a contract that's written by us and governed by us and spoken to by us and ultimately for us. It's all about us. But God don't need us. We need him. The real question is, God wants us, but do we want him? Do we want him? And if we want him, 
Man, so many of us, we want the God of wonders. I believe that. I think in our heart of hearts, we want the God of wonders. I think in our heart of hearts as well, deep within us, we want, we want the miracles of God. We want the revival of God. We want God to show up and show out in all of our lives. I believe that. But do we want it to the extent of being worshipers? Are we willing to be worshipers? You see, because one of the things I'm deeply concerned by in the church is that we worship God on our terms and our terms alone. But everything in life, it's not worship to God if it's not on his terms. It's not pleasing to God if it's not pleasing on his terms. It's not beautiful to God if it's not beautiful on his terms. Are you catching up what I'm saying? It's not living for God if it's not living on God's terms. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? If it's not by God, then God is not by it. This is how it works. He sets the terms. He sets the rules. He sets the exchange. He sets it up. It's by God and God alone. Friends, can I tell you that when we live in consumerism Christianity, we will not live on the altar of worship because here's the deal. You will live your entire Christian life wondering when I can get and what I can get and how I can get from God. You will show up to church and you will go, I really hope they play my favorite song. I can't wait to worship. And God's going, I can't wait till you die and get to heaven so you'll actually worship me every day of your life. Right? Because he's willing to do the same thing at this altar in your car on a Friday morning. Or better yet, at this altar at 6 a.m. on a Friday morning. You know what I'm saying? But he's willing to do it Monday night. He's willing to do it Thursday at noon. He's willing to do it whenever you're willing to do it. Amen? Come on, somebody. Am I preaching or am I preaching this morning? This is the good news of Jesus because here's the deal. If we will get on God's terms, we will experience the power that comes along with God's terms. You see, friends, can I just tell you, there are things in your life. There are moments with the Lord. There are things that can only be unlocked and found in the kingdom of God when we choose to engage God on his terms over our terms. The experience you will have with God worshiping him on his terms will far exceed you worshiping God on your terms. The experience you will have, the rewards you will reap, the fruit you will taste and see that the Lord is good, the fruit of the Spirit you will have, the gifts of the Spirit that will sprout out and grow in your life, the influence, the promotion, the finances, all of the things, the revival in your relationships, your marriages, and your sexuality, all of it will far exceed your terms and conditions when you begin to worship God how he says to worship him. Some of us, we show up to church, and I love what Zach said. This is so funny. The Holy Spirit is always working because this was already, he and I were already talking about this, but that whole idea of childlike faith that Jesus said, it's not an idea. It's a truth. And do you know what I've never seen? I've never seen a man walk out in childlike faith outside the walls of church, but worship like a statue. I've never seen a woman reap the reward of childlike faith outside the walls of the church, but worship like a statue in here. I've never seen anybody reap the reward of childlike faith, awestruck, wonder, walking by faith, not by sight, all of the good things that Jesus offers us through his, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. I've never seen that lived out outside these walls in people's lives, but worship 
Like, God's just no big deal. I'm just here. Just here. And it's like, man, um, it's okay. It's fine that raising your hands in worship ain't really your thing. But it's God's thing. It's okay that your dancing's not your thing. Like, yo, I'm a man. I don't dance. I just pull up my pants and I do the rock away. I do this number. That's okay. But dancing is God's thing. Right? I don't really like to sing. I got a terrible voice and I'm tone deaf. So is Pastor Matt. But guess what? Singing, vocal response, engaging in worship may not be your thing, but it is God's thing. Well, Pastor Matt, I'm just not you. I'm just, I wasn't raised in a Pentecostal church. I wasn't, I wasn't brought up in this. And so when you're up there and you're cutting a rug and you just look really dumb and stuff, I just can't. That's just not me. That's okay. Because I'm not asking you to be Pastor Matt. And I'm not asking you to worship like Pastor Matt. I'm asking you to be like Jesus and worship like Jesus. Well, Pastor Matt, that doesn't make any sense. Really? Well, Jesus said, I only do what my father tells me to do. And God dictates the terms of worship. Well, I don't, Jesus only says he only sees and does what he sees God doing. And God dictates the terms in worship. Well, I, Jesus only goes where God says he's going because God dictates the terms of our relationship. I'm not asking you to be like me. And I'm not asking you to be like your neighbor. I'm asking you to be like Jesus. And I preach to anybody this morning. And it's like, man, the word of God says, the word of God literally says, greet each other with singing and hymns, praiseworthy songs, with the lifting of hands, the bending of knees, and making a joyous sound and or noise for some of us unto the Lord. And nowhere in there when Paul says that in 2 Corinthians do I ever see if you feel like it. Neither before or after that statement is, hey, if you're feeling the worship bug. Neither in there do I hear if the decibel is right. Neither do I hear if the lights are all the way down so you can act a fool before Christ. Neither in there do I feel whether your new girlfriend's with you at church or not. Like, I don't read that anywhere. What I read in the word, emphatic word of God is that we are called to be worshipers. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who we're about to talk about in a minute, he starts off the entire uh, chapter of Romans 12 in, in, in Romans and he says this. He's like, present yourself as a living sacrifice for this is your true and good spiritual worship. Friends, could I submit to you today? Could I submit to you today? Worship is the only good and proper response to Jesus. It's not your opinion, not your likes. It's not what you desire. It's not how you are naturally inclined to be. Matt, I'm an introvert, that's okay. Introverts should be losing their minds too. Matt, I'm an extrovert, it's too much, me too. Come on, join me up front. Don't hit your wife in the face with slinging your arms. Literally, she made me sit on the other end away from her so that I wouldn't you know what I mean? <laughs> Let no man separate what God has joined together, except for your husband who worships crazy. Like, Pastor Matt, I'm just not expressive. 
I'm just not expressive like that. I'm not you. Friends, can I just tell you today, and this isn't like, this isn't a arrogant statement. This isn't to be, be like me, get like me, nothing like that. This is what you see here in me in the front row is the same that you'll see me in my office at 5 a.m., probably with a lot more tears. It's the same that you'll see me driving down the highway at 5 p.m. on a Friday going to my in-law's house, which is terrible because if we were all like me on the highway, we would be a menace to society. Luckily enough, it's just me. (sighs) But let me tell you, God loves worship. God designed worship. God decided on worship. He's the one that said, this is your true and spiritual response. This is your true and spiritual worship. Anything outside of this is your preference, not mine. And what you are doing is not actually worshiping me. You are worshiping yourself. And how many of you know, it's a slippery slope from that place. The second we begin to worship ourselves before our God, that's how we found ourselves in this position of needing him the way we do anyways. Worshiping ourselves before worshiping God is how we found ourselves in desperate need of Jesus going to the cross. And I'm so grateful that he did. But worship is our true and proper response to him. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Is worship your response to Jesus? Is worship your response to Jesus? When the temptation comes to sleep with someone who's not your spouse, maybe you're not even married yet, is your response to worship Jesus? When you're tempted to lie, create division, tear down everything that you've built, take it from me, fam. You're going to want to choose and worship Jesus. Worship is our only true and proper response. And I gotta tell you, friends, I guarantee, I guarantee it, the amount of power and authority that you move in outside these walls in Christ will be directly mirrored by how you worship inside these walls at the feet of Christ. It's mirrored. It's mirrored because I can tell you this, you're not willing to raise your hands in the midst of your friends, your family, your church with the songs and the teaching and your pastors and the comfort of the brothers and sisters of Christ. If you are not willing to raise your hands here, chances are you are not willing to lay hands out there. If you can't raise your hands among your brothers and sisters, you won't lay hands on strangers and neighbors. The boldness The boldness, the character, the integrity, the spine. If it's not first found here on the altar of worship, it will not be found out there. And I can tell you when Paul says, present yourself a living sacrifice, it's your true and proper worship. When Paul says those words, let me tell you this. It, didn't be, it wasn't followed up with when you're in church. It wasn't followed up with only when you're in church. It wasn't first specified by 
only when they play Oceans to all my 24-year-old white girls in the room. You know what I'm saying? Oceans rise. Can't sing. I won't. But worship isn't predicated upon in church or not in church. And that's part of the terrible teaching we've done for 20, 30 years is that we've called it a segment. We've called it a hand raise. We've called it a genre. We called it a moment or a program. But what we've not called it is a lifestyle because there is a lifestyle being lived out on the altar of worship that will unleash true Christianity, true Christian power, true gospel living in your lives. We won't need, come on somebody, you won't need five weeks message series on how to love your wife better if you are constantly found on the altar of worship outside of church, amen? Pretty hard to hate your spouse when you're living on the altar of Christ. Pretty hard to rob a bank when you're living on the altar of Christ. In fact, I would say it's found when you begin to crawl down off the altar of worship that you begin to make those mistakes. That you begin to see your spouse as less than God sees them. That you begin to see women and men as less than God sees them. Down off the altar of worship is where hate and racism and despair and doubt and division and all these things creep in. Because ain't none of that found on the proper altar of worship. And no one knows this more than the Apostle Paul who begins this out by saying in Romans 12, he goes, be up on that altar. Present yourself a living sacrifice. And let me tell you this, Paul lived that out. Paul is not one of those guys that says, you know, his dad grew up saying this, hey, do what I say, now what I do. Anybody else's dad say that? Mine, okay? Paul doesn't live that way. Paul actually goes as far to say, and it's not prideful or haughty when he says this. He's actually going, hold me to this. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Hold me to that. Hold me to that. I am holding myself to such a place, to such a standard. I am so emphatically in love with who the Lord Jesus is and revealed himself to me that you can imitate me as I imitate Christ because I will bleed for this. I will die for this. I will live for this, says the Apostle Paul. And so... You're probably wondering what this has to do with Acts 16. Well, it has everything to do with Acts 16 because this is the moment where we kind of transition to beginning to talk about what it looks like to live on the altar of worship outside these four walls. I would really love it if we could design our own building one day um, and not something crazy. Like, I'm not super into like the craziness, if you can't tell. We're in an airport hangar. Uh, it was. You should have seen the old photos. This wall wasn't here and it just went all the way down. They hung planes in here. It was nuts. Anyways, um, it's true. It's the OG Grand Rapids Airport. Bet you didn't know that. And now we're using it. Never mind. Anyways, I got jokes. But I would love to design a church that doesn't have four walls. <laughs> because uh, I really hate when people say, we, the church really needs to get outside the four walls. People who say the church that needs, needs to get outside the four walls of the church are people who don't spend enough time in church. We just need to get out those four walls of church. No, you just need to be in church. You just need to receive in church. You just need to actually listen in church and then <laughs> replicate what you see in church outside of here. And uh, yeah, the world will look a lot more like the kingdom of heaven without your criticism and with your action. You know what I'm saying? So 
Paul, Silas, they're just going about their lives in the beginning of this verse. They're just going about their lives. This is what they're doing. It actually says that as we were on our way to go and pray, they were on their way to church. They were on their way to a designated time, a designated place, 10 a.m., not 10.05, not 10.10, not 10.15, not 10.25. You know what I'm saying? 10 a.m. And they locked the doors. There's a sign. They put it up. They had texting back then as well. Anyways, but at 10 a.m. sharp, they were on their way to go pray. They were on their way to go break bread with brothers and sisters of Christ and spend time in the presence of the Lord and with the Lord's people. That's what's happening. This was their normal lives. And it says that it actually took some time to do that. So you know what that tells me? It says that they were walking for days. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Paul, as a tent maker, was probably stopping and making some tents. That tells me that Paul was living his life that him and Silas were doing things for the Lord and ministering to people along the way, and they were just doing what Christians do called living. And then all of a sudden, there was this woman who had a demon in her of divination. And what is divination, you may ask? Divination is Satan's counterfeit to prophecy. In case you don't know, divination is Satan's counterfeit to prophecy. Well, Matt, what's that? Uh, today, it would be tarot cards, fortune telling, and uh, horoscopes. And uh, you know what? I'm going to upset Evan, but I'm going to put Enneagram in there too. So we'll figure it out when we get to heaven um, who was right. But I'm going to put the Enneagram in there as well. I'm an eight. I'm a challenger. Don't put me in a box. It all makes sense, but it's still heresy to me. Anyways, so... And maybe we should stop and pause right here and say this. If you're a brother or sister in Christ, you're not a Capricorn, you're a Christian. Stop looking at your daily horoscope. Stop looking at your monthly horoscope. Stop going to spirits of divination for a word on your future. And if you're in that desperate need, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. If you're in desperate need of a word for your future, if you're in doubt, if you're in worry, if you're in bondage, and you're not sure what your future looks like, come to church, be in community, get a brother and sister in Christ around you and ask them, can you pray? Can you fast? Can you ask the Lord for a word for me? Because I need to hear from heaven. It's not the age of Aquarius. This is the age of the Jesus people. Feel the Holy Spirit. You feel the Holy Spirit? He's in this room. He's in us. And he is moving things out the way to receive this word on worship today. Friends, I got to tell you, the amazing thing about Paul in this moment is that this girl, she's demonized and she's spouting off. And, this, and she says, she literally goes, these are the guys who would tell you about God and lead you to salvation. But she's making a mockery. She's not actually agreeing with them. How many of you know demons don't agree with Jesus? How many know devils don't agree with Jesus? None of them. Not at all. She's mocking them. She's harassing them. And it, Paul says this goes on for days. And you know what? It's hilarious because he actually, the Word of God actually records that he was annoyed, turned, and finally rebuked her. First of all, can I say this? Your emotions don't dictate whether you worship or not. You can be annoyed, but you still need to be faithful. You can be bothered, but you still need to be faithful. You could be upset. You could come in hot at your wife, mad about something that happened. She was criticizing your driving. But you still got to worship. You still got to be faithful. And I just love it. I love it because you know what this speaks to? 
it speaks to that there is a time and a place for every emotion that is actually found in God. Not sinful, not out of place, but a righteous annoyance, a righteous anger, a righteous bother. There's, there's actually a time and a place and where you can just kind of be like, I'm not, I'm not loving this at the moment, what's happening here. And there is a place that you can meet God on the altar of worship from that place that will be unique. The place you meet God at on that altar of worship in annoyance is totally different than that place of worship when you're just riding high on life, where you just won that 1.32 billions in Illinois. Was anybody praying for the million, mega millions last night? I know you were. I was praying to be somebody in church too. You know what I'm saying? Um, but there's a place, there's a power, there's a significance for your daily lives to be found on the altar of worship where God shows up and he shows off differently. Friends, if your moments in worship are only relegated in the house of worship, then you will only experience moments of power in the house and no moments of power outside the house. You will only experience moments of intimacy within the house and no moments of intimacy outside the house. Am I preaching to anybody today? You will only see demons casted out inside the house and not outside the house. There are things, friends, that you will experience if you will crawl up and you will remain and you will plant yourself firmly on the altar of worship outside the walls of the church. This actually, this actually all gets to go with you. It gets to go with you. And Paul, in this moment, he could have not been faithful. He could have climbed back down off the altar of worship, couldn't he? This woman comes up and she's just being a bother. She's just being annoying. She's got rulers and people who own her and all of this stuff. And Paul could have chose. You know what? I don't feel like being the church today. I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like being in worship today. I don't feel like lifting my hands today. I don't feel like laying hands today. I don't feel like praising the Lord today. I don't feel like preaching to myself today to get myself ready for the day. I don't feel like reciting scripture to myself today. I don't feel like it, Silas. Somebody else's problem. Some other Christian could come through. There were people there. They can worship. I don't feel. See, there wasn't a consumerism bone in Paul's body. And maybe today you're going, listen, 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 listen. Maybe today you're going, saying it to yourself right now because the enemy wants to get in your head. He does not want you to live on the altar of worship. Hear me today. If you are hearing thoughts in your head that's, well, I don't have the faith of the apostle, faith of the apostle Paul. Heck, I don't even have the faith of Pastor Matt. I don't have these faiths. That's not my faith. My faith isn't that big. My faith isn't that great. Friends, that's a lie from the pit of hell. But let me point to subject 1B. His name is Silas. Silas is mentioned very few times in the Bible. Did some cool stuff, was a part of some awesome moments. God did some great things in and around his life. But don't let the devil tell you you don't have the faith of Paul and reject everything I'm saying. Because I know, I know, and I know, and I know you at least 
have the faith of Silas. I know you at least have the faith of Silas. And so being on the altar of worship, instead of rejecting the call of God on their life, instead of rejecting the worship of their life, you know what Paul does? He turns around and he rebukes the demon out of her and sets her free. We should stop right there for a second. This is really important. Well, Matt, that's deliverance. That's not worship. Friends, newsflash. Worship is how you live your life and how you don't live your life. Worship is what you do with your life and what you don't do with your life. Get this deep revelation today. Worship is your only good and proper response to Jesus. It is how you live your life and it is how you do not live your life. Amen. You worship God with your actions and your inactions. Amen. This is what it looks like to be a worshiper. Because Paul could have just not responded to Jesus in that moment. And then guess what that leadership would have looked like to Silas? Silas would have went on to live a life of not responding to Jesus with worship in areas and situations that he came upon as well. Do you see this? Worship is how you respond to Jesus. It is also how you don't respond to Jesus. You respond with faithfulness, not faithlessness. You respond in worshipfulness and not unworshipfulness. Making up words as we go. And what they do is they set this woman free. You see, it says that within the hour, within the hour, the demon left her. Friends, what cost Paul and Silas an hour and some patience costs far less than the price this woman would have paid had they not been found faithful in worshiping. Had they not been living on the altar of worship, had their life not been presented a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, an hour and some prayer and some patience for her salvation. That's easy money. Somebody say, that's easy money. And can I tell you this too? On the altar of worship, just because you don't see the prayer answered in the first five minutes doesn't give you carte blanche or license to crawl out that altar. Just because it doesn't happen within the first half hour, just because the leg doesn't grow out, just because the cancer doesn't go right away, just because your marriage isn't restored, just because you apologize, just because you don't see the immediacy in the miraculous doesn't mean you crawl down off the altar of worship. You stay and you remain and you be a worshiper and you watch what God does because that's exactly what happens. About an hour goes by, praying, worshiping, speaking in tongues, putting oil on her, whatever it took, probably doing everything in the book that they knew how to do and even what they heard of. Well, John would chew up bugs and spit on their face. Let's try that. Like they, you know, whatever it took because they were faithful and they were worshipers. And then what happens is this, what happens is this, I love it, I love it. This is what happens when you begin to live your life on the altar of worship, just not in the house of worship, but actually on the altar of worship. Hear me, hear me. See what happens next? Uh, is they get beaten. They get beaten. They get ridiculed, flogged, beaten, bloodied, whipped, 
discredited, robbed of all human decency, just stripped down. And friends, can I tell you this? If you don't have scars for Christ yet, I would wonder, are you living for Christ yet? And I mean literally, not, not professing Christ, are you actually living for Christ? Has he begun to take over your life outside these walls, not just within the walls of Takeover Church? Are you on the altar of worship? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Just like, just like we don't like lifting our hands sometimes. Maybe that's not me. Well, God likes lifting our hands. You know what we also don't like? The fact that Jesus says, if you do not join me in persecution and suffering, you do not get to join me in my resurrection. Suffering, being beaten, bloodied, persecuted for the cause of Christ is the plight of the Christian. But the reward of the Christian is Jesus Christ himself. We got a lot of messages on how to get you mad money, but we ain't got a lot of messages on how to deal with persecution and suffering and it being the plight of the Christian. It's part of it. Well, I don't want to worship him, but that's how he says to be worshiped. Well, I don't want to live for him, but that's how he says you live for him. Well, I don't want that part of this life, but that's how, you, but that's how he says you get him. You see, friends, Christianity today is only going to be hard if you forget that Jesus Christ is your reward. Christianity today is only going to be difficult for you if you forget that Christ is your reward. You can go through hell and back 12 times over in your life. But if Jesus Christ is your reward, you'll keep marching on hot coals. It don't matter. It don't matter. He's worth it. If you know he's worth it, you'll remain on the altar of worship. If you know he's worth it, you will remain on the altar of worship. Including whether you got the faith of Paul or the faith of Silas. Because last I checked, both those boys got beaten, bloodied, bruised, flogged, stripped nude in the city center, and then locked up in the inner most jail. You know where that jail was? Context. That jail that they were in is literally beneath the Roman Colosseum. Did you know that? Have you seen Gladiator? Yeah. Literally, historically speaking, where they're at is in the Roman Colosseum. Why? Because most prisoners become slaves and those slaves go on to be lion's lunch. They were used for human entertainment. And that's where they're placed. And not only that, history records, you can go to Roman Colosseum and see the very place that Paul and Silas were locked up in. And there is a hole above them. And from that hole comes a whole lot of loos, a whole lot of bathrooms, a whole lot of rags and feces and urine. And that's what would have been surrounding their feet in this moment. Let this be real to you. Let this be real to you. Pastor Matt, are you saying even when I'm up to my knees in feces and being persecuted for my faith, I need to remain on the altar of worship? Yeah. Yes, I am. Because I'm telling you, in the midst of being flogged, in the, in the midst of being disrespected, in the midst of prison, 
if you remain on the altar of worship, there is still another level with Jesus that you can only experience in the midst of persecution. There's a part of the Father that you will only gain, that you will only see, that you will only begin to understand in the midst of loss. When it feels like you are just catching L's for the kingdom of heaven, understand you are still catching L's for the kingdom of heaven. Even when you're catching L's for the kingdom of heaven, you still got the kingdom of heaven. And it's on that altar of worship you will begin to experience what that actually means, what that actually looks like. And can I tell you what that is? This next moment's amazing. This next moment is, is where generally myself and other pastors like me, we get excited and we read the scripture and it says, and about midnight and we get all lit and excited for the Lord and we start talking like this. Uh, Matt, you talk like that anyways. I know, but I'm really excited right now. At about midnight, at about midnight, Paul and Silas, they were praying, singing, lifting hands, worshiping, dancing before the Lord, getting on their knees, doing everything worship calls to do inside a prison cell. And suddenly there was an earthquake and the room shook and the bars broke and they were open, loose, not just them, but the prisoners around them. Everything changed in a moment of worship at midnight. And we love this part because we think this is significant, but the problem is we end up preaching this wrong. This is how we get to consumerism worship, is we preach this wrong. Because we preach this all the time, like, oh, Paul and Silas, they knew. They knew. They had the last dish effort. They knew. They were like, man, right now, the only chance we escape without being eaten by a lion is if we start praying right now. The only way we get out of this, I tell you, brother, I got a word from heaven. If we just start worshiping right now, the walls are going to shake, the things are going to break, and we're going to go free. And we preach it like they knew this. We preach it like they had motives. We preach it like they went into this going, I'm going to get out of this if I do this. God's going to get me out of this if I do this. And that is heresy and that is wrong. Because that's not what happened. The only reason Paul and Silas had power at midnight is because they worshiped in the daylight. The only reason... The breakthrough power of God was found in that prison cell is because the breakthrough power of God was sought on those valleys and those mountains in delivering the girl and when they made tents and when they prayed and when they worshiped and when they fasted and when they ate and when they slept and when they drank because they lived a life on the altar of worship. No, no, no. See, friends, the midnight hour of power is a direct correlation in response to daylight worship and prayer in pursuit of King Jesus. The power found in that jail cell is available to them in the daylight, in the morning, in the evening. It doesn't matter when or where they find themselves. If they are upon the altar of worship spread out for the Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that's where they're found, that's where his power is. And so they... They weren't doing anything different than they'd be doing anyways. In fact, it probably cost them more being bloodied, beaten, broken bones, probably can't see, probably can't hear too well. Paul is singing way off key because his ears got boxed in. Like, it ain't beautiful. It doesn't sound like Amy and Alex and Kayla and Sydney up here. Actually, Grant can sing really well too. Come prayer mornings on Fridays, you'll hear Grant bring heaven down. It's really great. I wish he'd do it on Sundays. 
But that's what happens in this jail cell. The same power, worship team, you can make your way up here. The same power that Paul and Silas and all of those jailers saw on display in the jail cell is the same power that's found on the altar of worship that you and I are called to live on, live from every single day of our lives, every single moment, every single opportunity, every single place and position. It's all worship. It's all worship. Worship is our response. And we talk about this thing like it's this amazing God moment. No, this is a mundane moment that became a miraculous moment. But it's only found on the altar of worship that the mundane can become the miraculous. It's only on the altar of worship that the mundane can become the miraculous. Your car rides Monday morning when you're half asleep, half a cup of coffee down, got a big meeting you're not looking forward to that you are not near enough prepared for can become a miraculous moment if you're driving from a place of being found on the altar of worship. Everything. This is where real Christianity becomes a thing. This is where everything we read about in the Bible comes to life. Friends, how you are in this room will be married how you are outside this room. You want to know how I know that? Because Paul worshipped in the temple like he worshipped in a driveway, like he worshipped in a jail. And so did Silas. And if Silas did it, so can you. And what's amazing is, yes, God did an extraordinary thing. But God's extraordinary was off the backside of Paul and Silas's ordinary this was their life. It just happened to be the scene of their life was in a jail cell. Believe me, rooms shook in other rooms. Doors flung wide in other doorways. There were other people delivered and set free besides in this jail at other points in time. Come on, somebody. This was a lifestyle because they chose to say, my good and proper and true response to Jesus will be worship. Would you stand? We're about to go into a song called Waymaker. He is the waymaker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. All those things that we're about to sing and profess in this song, he is those things. But we're not going to sing these songs and worship these songs because of what we receive from him. We're going to sing these songs and worship in these songs because we get to be with him. Friends, it's not that you receive the Waymaker, it's that you get to be with the Waymaker. It's not that you're going to receive miracles, it's that you get to be with the Miracle Maker One. It's not that he's going to suddenly just make you the most amazing light in the darkness, though that will probably happen. You get to be with the light in the darkness because it's dark right now. See what happens when you begin to live an altar of worship lifestyle. It's when God breaks through in your life with breakthrough power, like He did in this moment. There will be people like this jailer whose minds are so blown. Listen to me. This happens, and this jailer goes, What just went down? And he is more, I don't know what he's more terrified of 
the Roman rulers or the God who just shook the Roman Colosseum. Understand that's where this was. God shook the Roman Colosseum and you're wondering why it's halfway sideways. Come on. He shook the Roman Colosseum just to make a point here about an altar of worship called the Christian life. And the jailer goes, instead of lying to the Romans and going home to see my wife and kids, I would rather die right now, kill myself, than face the consequences of whatever just happened to this whole thing. That's how powerful our God is. But Paul, Silas, being found on the altar of worship, they didn't choose to run from their persecution. Instead, they saved somebody from killing themselves. Because instead of what was easy and now convenient and could run, instead of just going out the open door, it says the jailer was actually called into where they were. You see, this is, this is the Christian life. This is the altar of worship. This is what you and I are called to live on. And Paul says, we're all still here. Those whose shackles just got broke off, they're still here. We're all just in the presence of God together. And the jailer calls for some lamps and some lights and some candles. And he goes in and he sees them. What are they doing? Hands up on their knees singing before the king of kings inviting him into this and he just can't help himself he's like you could go but you're praying you're broken and bloody but you're worshiping you're the most uncomfortable you've probably ever been in your entire life and your hands are up what must i do to be saved because this this doesn't make sense and yet at the same time this is the only thing that makes sense right now says that Paul then so funny the jailer the jailer actually leads them out of the prison because he's now saved and he takes them to their home and he introduces them to his wife and kids and he's like this is Paul and Silas they've been with Jesus they're a Jesus people Jesus has taken over their lives and guess what guys I know we're Romans and I know this isn't our custom, and I know we serve Zeus and everybody else, but I'm telling you, there is a one true God, and his name is Jesus, and today he shook the Colosseum, and he broke some bars, and he set me free, and he saved me from killing myself, and he met me in the prison. And I believe he wants to meet us in this house as well. And his wife and his kids, Hercules is their hero. And now they're learning about Samson. Aphrodite, God of love. Now they're meeting Jesus, the King of love. Talk about fighting culture. Talk about winning the war for the kingdom of heaven. Talk about being a light in the darkness. That's what it looks like to do that on the altar of worship. Their whole family was saved. The whole family was baptized. And eventually, the Roman government comes. They want to throw them right back in, but the jailer stands up for them, sticks up for them, says, you have lied about them. You've lied about their God, and they have done nothing wrong. And they are set free. That's the altar of worship. You and I have the privilege. Hear me. It's a privilege to lift your hands. 
It's a requirement by God. He said it. Not me. He said it. But in that requirement, when he says, come and worship me, it's a privilege to do so because he could have rejected us a long time ago. He didn't have to send Jesus. He wanted to. And he wants to invite you in right now into this moment of worshiping him, of taking place in worship with him, where you get to lift your hands, your holy hands to heaven, the word of God says where you can bow a knee, you can pace back and forth, you can dance before the Lord, you can make a joyful noise before him. You can just be as ridiculous or as David puts it, as undignified as you would like because before the King of Kings, this is just worship. You are not a fool, but if you're gonna feel like a fool, you might as well find yourself feeling like a fool for Christ, amen? This is your true and proper response to Jesus. So worship team, as you begin singing Waymaker, I invite you. I'm not judging you, but I invite you. I implore you, I emphatically ask you, would you just lift your hands? Would you lift your hands? Would you begin singing? Would you get a little sway in your your hips? Would you just begin to ask Lord Jesus, God, would you just meet me in this place? I want to worship you. I want to worship you on your terms, not on mine. I want your power, not my power. I don't want to be found with my own guidance, but your guidance. I don't want my own wisdom in this moment. I want your wisdom in this moment right now. I don't want peace that I can manifest on my own. I want the peace of Christ that only comes by worshiping Christ. I want to be found in this moment with you, Lord. Change me from the inside out. Radically change me from the inside out. Rewire my brain and how I respond to worship right now, God, I want to have childlike faith, and I want to see childlike miracles in and through my life, God. So would you just make me a fool for you, God? In Jesus' mighty name, right now, I worship you. Sing it out, church. I worship you. I worship you. Come on, because why? Hands are up all over this place. Keeper, come on. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That's who you are, God. This is who we are. We are worshipers. Come on. Come on, guys. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. 